Welcome to the Metal Zone Podcast. This is episode 52. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, we are talking about our plans for, or not plans for this year's form next. Um, Thingiverse latest data breach and how they poorly handled it. Um, Prusha's ideas of rebranding their Prusha printer platform where you can also share 3D printed models and um, also maybe you get the chance to sell your own creations there. And well, staying on the topic of Prusha, um, a recently melted heater block of a Prusha printer that uh, looks like a piece of solder and uh, we talk about how that could have happened and how that could be prevented and we've got two more resin topics today um we talk about a not quite unnecessary invention of putting two vats and two print platforms on one big printer is that useful i think so i think that is not quite as unnecessary as the creator's name implies and we also have a high-speed SLA resin printer that uses something that is similar to Carbon's proprietary clip technology, but not quite. And it manages to print 280 millimeters of print height per hour, which is insane. Stefan, I can, I can hear you. That is good. That is good. Your voice seems to work for now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's currently still working. I'm, I'm already noticing that my that my neck is getting sore again and my my nose is closing again yeah I, I had a cold for basically the last three three and a half weeks and i'm really really fed up with it <laughs> yeah let's let's just hope you don't get covid on top of that too um i hope not uh, but a good friend of mine uh just caught it like two weeks ago also fully vaccinated so he he's okay again but it was still kind of a rough week for him. <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not something to joke about. Um, you're not going to form next, are you? I have decided, especially with that incident again, to uh, go to form next this, this year. I would not really to like to, to go there, yeah. not to go yeah. to form next. Um, I heard that there are really lot of, um, a lot of um, uh, booths from from different vendors yeah. so it, it's not like just a reduced version um many said that like their booths are not going to be as as big probably as as the last years but um they are really well doing it this year but now nah. i don't know so I, I i looked into um what's the other one in in the uk um whatever it's T tct yeah, yeah. Um, tct I looked into that and I was like, uh, not not really feeling it. But then I saw Formnex actually is running the event as 2G, so only vaccinated and um, what's it called people who've had the uh, had COVID before and are, are yeah. cured basically. Um, only those are allowed to enter. Um, mm. But then looking at at how many cases we, we've got in Germany, it's like so that the 2G rule was was what was what made me consider going because i'm like mm. well at least they're they're doing like the reasonable thing um mm. but then i'm just like oh, i've got my brain i've got my grandparents here i don't want to i don't want to spread it i don't want to catch it it's like uh, i want to go but yeah not not at any cost so well you could say that you that you're still going to be wearing a mask oh, all of sure. the time for sure but um if you want to do 
interviews and things like that, um, there's still the occasions where you, where you don't wear it. And yeah. of course, like the chance of, of getting it is small, but it's still there. And having a baby, which is unvaccinated and of course doesn't wear a mask and, and things like that, uh, it just makes me feel uncomfortable and I'm passing out on it and I'll hopefully be there next year. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the consideration for me is like, if I get, if I get my third shot before that, uh, in time, mm -hmm. um, perhaps. Yeah. Because for me, it's, it's almost been six months, um, since the second one. So, mm -hmm. but form next is in two weeks, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be this week, basically. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I was feeling good about going. I was feeling enthusiastic about like, oh, mm. look, this is this is reasonable. And now now cases are, are going up again. And I'm like, yeah. ah. I was really hoping to finally go to CET in Las Vegas. Uh, CES. C C sorry, not CET, CES uh, in, in Las Vegas at the beginning of next year. I don't know if, if it's even happening. I guess it's happening. It is. I just got an, an invite email from some company. Okay. Um, and since US finally opened the border again, border again yeah. for for uh, Europeans, um, I, I thought I might be able to do that, but I, I think the, the situation's not going to be better. Uh, but I, I just would really like to visit the US again soon. And just, just Las in Vegas. general, getting, getting out and, and traveling somewhere would be really nice yeah. again for once. <laughs> uh, and I know we're going to have people comment like, just, yeah. just do it. It's not that bad. And it's like, uh -huh. the thing is, if you can't enjoy it, if you're, if you've yeah. always got that, that bitter taste in your mouth, yeah. it's, It's not the same. You can't just go, oh, just ignore it. It's, it's, it's not mm. the same. Yeah. <sighs> right. Should we, so since, since we, you're, you're, we, we need to be careful of, uh, not destroying your voice here. Uh, let's just jump right into topics, should we? Yes, definitely. Number And one. One really interesting one. Yeah. Oh, well, not really interesting one, but one which is, oh, how should I put it? Um, it was kind of expected, but it's still really bad. So if you guys have a, have or had a Thingiverse uh, account, you might have already got an email that there was a, well, data breach at Thingiverse. So yeah. To put it lightly. Um, <laughs> well, so there was a data breach and it wasn't handled that well. <laughs> Yeah, so the I, I guess I guess we should preface this with it's not so it's not just a Thingiverse breach, it's actually a breach on MakerBot's side, um, where all the MakerBot accounts got leaked essentially. So um what happened is somebody got access to the database um of Thingiverse users or MakerBot accounts essentially, um and basically extracted um Usernames, emails, hashed passwords. That's, that's still got an asterisk to it. Um, PayPal details, like all sorts of basically Direct messages, DMs. Yes. Unencrypted yep. DMs, uh, between users. So, um, but that, so that there's, there's two asterisks to this, asterisks to this. Um, first of all, that breach happened in 2018. So 
any data newer than this is not is did not get exposed in this breach. It might get exposed in the next breach. I don't know um, when when that's happening. But right now the data is from 2018. Um, so anything since then is not affected. Um, also passwords. Um, the passwords were not stored in clear text, so that is at least something um <laughs> but uh makerbot thingiverse originally stored your passwords as i believe it was sha1 um unsalted hashes which basically means it is your clear text password because for those standards um checksum algorithms basically uh there exists tables to just get from the the hashed abstracted version of the password to your plain text password so like don't don't consider your password safe just because it's hashed. However, if you've logged in since I think it's 20, 20 something, 2015, 16, 17, if you've logged in since then, your password hash has been replaced by something that is a bit more secure um, by bcrypt um, password hash. So theoretically, that should be more okay, but it's still your hash password still got out there. Um, so yeah, the, the spicy thing here is it's not just Thingiverse. It's not just your Thingiverse accounts. Your un- unpublished files also were exposed. Um, so unpublished files, DMs, usernames, pa- PayPal details, hash password, all that is out there. Um, but also if with the same MakerBot account, you've got a MakerBot printer connected, access to that printer, essentially, from what I understand, could also have been compromised. Um, so the people basically can remote control your printer if they have access to your account if you've if you've signed your printer into that account so it would be a really good time to change your password not just on makerbot um makerbot accounts or thingiverse but also anywhere else you use that same password um you should probably change it um thankfully i think i was using randomized passwords back then already um but I don't know if in, in 2018 I already did. So I, I did a I basically spent a day changing everything. Which was fun. Which was yeah. fun, but overdue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. I, I put it in a way it's just it's just like another nail in the coffin of Thingiverse. So last time we already talked about like Thingiverse replacing affiliate links from like yeah. your affiliate link to their own this is just another thing um and of course it happened but i i guess the way they handled it was really weird because in the beginning they did not comment on anything and then a couple of days later they said ah yeah there was just one small security breach where around no less than less than 500 yeah. The uh, um, accounts are uh, really affected. Um, yeah. affected. Um, but later it turned out that it was basically a whole database backup. Yeah. And so so one service that I can really recommend for this is Have I Been Pwned, um, which is by, what's, what's the guy's name? I don't know. But Have I Been Pwned basically is a website, a service that keeps track of all the leaked usernames, passwords, um, that they can find on the internet somewhere um, in some shared database. And you can basically enter your, your email or your username and you can check whether that username or email has been exposed in some breach already. And it's going to list all, all the breaches that your email was found in. 
Um, you can also enter your password. If you trust I have been pwned, I think I, I do trust them enough to enter my password in there and it's going to check <laughs> the password if it's ever been found anywhere. It's not going to tell you where it's been found because that would be, you know, <laughs> privacy. That, that, would, that would be not the greatest move to do, but it, it tells you at least, hey, this password has been found somewhere. Um, yeah. So uh, the thing is when, when MakerBot was saying, well, it's just 500 users that were affected, have been pwned had already sent out emails to a couple hundred thousand users basically. Um, so people were commenting on Twitter like, hey, well, there was a, a poll by uh, Matt Stoltz, I believe, did that, mm. uh, where it was asking like, hey, were you affected? Were you not affected? And a couple thousand people wanted yes on that poll <laughs> um, at the time when MakeUpBot said, well, it's just 500 maybe. The other thing is also that breach happened in 2018. And I don't think MakerBot took any action back then already. Um, it's it's so that the data was extracted in 2018, um, but it's not been in active circulation. So it's not been out there with the white hat, gray hat, black hat community. Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess somebody was just holding on to it. Um, but I believe there was there was news of a breach somehow, but MakerBot wasn't really doing much about that. Mm. And also with the with the circulation of the data now, according to GDPR, they should have been way faster <laughs> with responding. Um, it was very obvious <laughs> that the data was out there, um, and it was being shared around. By the time that you know have been pwned has the data, it's out there. Um, so MakerBot should have been much faster in in in, in noticing users um, and just being being honest about what happened and, and what got exposed yeah. and they did not do that that i think is the is the bigger issue not the fact that the breach happened because that happens it's about how you handle it yeah and i guess i i think i checked a couple of days ago and there weren't any real yeah so for example the latest like update on the or not really update on the breach the latest information on the breach at least on on, on twitter from thingiverse is is still like for clarification, the exposure affected a handful, less than 500 of real user data. Um, the non-production, non, sorry, <clears throat> non-production, non-sensitive data include encrypted password, random salted, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, no, no update yet. Um, and uh, as I just said, just another nail in yeah. to Thingiverse coffin. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honest. I'm still using Thingiverse for searching data because sometimes it works quite well to find designs because i guess it's still the largest collection of, of designs but there should be the point when uh, we yeah. and also any other creators should think about alternatives to thingiverse yeah there is a a neat input function into Prusa printers um, yep. into what is still called Prusa printers because they probably are going to rebrand. Um, which again, you're tying yourself to a, um, you're tying yourself to a printer manufacturer, which obviously has a, a, a weird aftertaste. Um, yep. at least to me, like Prusa, of course, I, I, I like the Prusa products. Um, but still, it's another manufacturer that, that you're now attached to. Though, of course, Prusa printers isn't exactly like exclusive to Prusa users. That's that's why the rebrand is happening, but still, like it's another manufacturer. Something independent would be nice, but then again, who would have the resources to 
not just set up a, a, a file mm. sharing site like that, but also to run it, to maintain it. Um, Thingiverse just has the advantage of, hey, we were the first ones. We mm. did any. Hey, Google. Nice. Uh, Thingiverse <laughs> was just the first one. No! <laughs> you're in flight mode. You can't even. Oh, no, you're not on flight mode. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, I think we always have the big advantage that we're the first ones who had anything like that. Um, and then I think, well, what's it called? Um, you Imagine by, by Ultimaker were kind of the next ones and then Prusa Printers mm. came along. But like, not just uh, not just creating that site, but also what, what Prusa Printers are doing with the, with the giveaways and uh, contests and mm. just maintaining a community and, and making sure there's like actively happening, uh, something actively happening. Mm. That's probably impossible for anyone outside to do. Well, there are alternatives. Uh, Thanks is currently sponsoring, like, I have the feeling, any 3D printing channel. <laughs> right. They've, they've had uh, a sponsorship on my channel as well. One. Yeah. Um, and they are... I, I don't know how they are financing that or do they have ads on there well i've got ad block i wouldn't see them yeah (laughs) um so they are i guess at the moment a site who is that is scraping through other libraries of 3d printed models and then just presenting them on their side with the advantages of um a search all over uh, those services and then um, search for size and for similar shapes and things yeah. like that. So they're adding a bit of benefit. My, my mini factory is there. Um, I have been using my mini factory from time to time, though it always, I don't know. I, I always, it, it always felt a little bit cluttered and I am not sure where I should put my mini factory. So you've, you've been using to, my mini factory to find models to download and to print? Both. Or to, to share your own stuff? Both. Both. Um, okay. But like not a lot. Um, my mini factory, they also have a nice approach where they say, okay, they are checking all of the models if they are printable. So right. you can only find supposedly printable models on their side. They have a vast collection of um like purchasable models there which is something that i don't know i think no any other site really well well if you have like the, the smaller sites gumroad and stuff um, yeah of course. of course yeah but they have a really nice collection there so and they're financing themselves um over ads um they have partnerships with 3D printing manufacturer and they have <clears throat> also like the uh, sold models where they are getting uh, part of the revenue and also um, um, some money from the, the subscription service you need to subscribe to if you want to sell your models on my, on my mini factory. Which sort of brings us to our next small point here. <laughs> what, what, what should we think about that? So the way that my, 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 my mini factory handles it is, is kind of weird. So, um, typically, when you sell something, for example, on Amazon, uh, Stefan, you've, you've got some experience with your uh, mm. with your heat set, heat set inserts. Um, you basically pay a fee per item sold. Um, so if you if you have shipping, like if you pay a, a rate for mm. shipping, or if you ship yourself, you just pay a percentage um, of your of your revenue. Kind of the same as as eBay, any any service mm. basically works like that. 
But my mini factory also charges a 20 something, 25 25. Yeah. $25 a month fee just to list your models on the site. Um, so you haven't, you've not sold anything by then. You've not made any revenue by then. It is 25 bucks just to list your models on the site, just as a, as an access fee, basically. Um, which begs the question, is that something that's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of missing the word here for that, but I don't want to say reasonable, uh, sensible. Is that the, the, the nice way to do it? Because it's, it is, um, when we, when we talked about this topic before, I, I used the word predatory. It is preying on smaller creators, basically, um, where you're, you, they're taking their cut no matter if you sell anything or not. And you, yeah. you extrapolated that to, what was it, 300 bucks a year, basically. That is quite the chunk that you're, you're giving to my mini factory just to have mm. your stuff listed there, just as a, as a gatekeeper fee. I guess, I guess there are, well, it, it for once prohibits, I guess, small creators from just starting selling their designs, which is on the one hand bad because they don't, maybe don't start their own business there. On the other hand, it prohibits everyone from starting to sell all of the designs, which is maybe good for the community because more designs are available there for free. Um, it might also be a sensible way of my mini factory of prevent, preventing like minimum payouts to thousands and thousands of yeah. creators who just uh, thought, ah, oh, yeah, let's, let's sell my design for a dollar and they are selling like three designs a month. And then uh, my, my mini factory has, has to yeah. deal with that. Um, it's yeah, it's but honestly, honestly, it is reminding me of the models uh, on YouTube, Twitch, etc., where you, you can't monetize your, your channel um, if you're under a certain size mm. of of viewership. Um, it's, just, mm. it's basically the same on on YouTube. Um, what is it, ten thousand subscribers uh, on YouTube now, plus no. a minimum view, or is it a thousand now? I don't know. Plus a minimum I, yeah. view time per month yeah. um, that you have to have to to even be applicable or to, to be able to apply to the YouTube partner program, which lets you monetize mm. your stuff. Uh, same on Twitch, um, where you have to stream like three, three days a week, um, to even, uh, move up to affiliate where you can mm. sort of monetize your stuff. It feels a lot like that where it's, um, where it's preying on the, on the smaller creators to, to give their stuff away for free. And then, the big guys basically get the big payouts because my mini factory takes a relatively small cut of your revenue. Um, mm. I think it's yeah, ten percent. Yeah, turn ten percent, earn ninety percent from sales. Mm. So it's basically it's basically smaller creators um, uh, subsidizing the the larger ones essentially, mm. which is convenient for for the platforms, right? It's convenient for for YouTube, mm. Twitch, um, my mini factory because, like you're saying, they don't have to deal with like mini payouts and they don't have thousands of uh, of partners and and business partners. Mm. It's just it's just a couple, but they make all the money now. Mm. Uh, understandable, but not not a fan, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm uh, not that much of a designer, so I, I can't really use that problem uh, that, that that program. But <sighs> um. <sighs> 
Yeah, as you just said, it, it's bad for the small creators. Um, on the other hand, if you really have a talent and, and start selling your, your stuff over there, um, maybe this, this program is even beneficial because you could, uh, my mini factory could say like many others do. Yeah, we take 30% cut of, right. of the revenue, but we don't have any monthly subscription, uh, which, Well, there's a break-even point at some at some point where uh, the one yeah. program uh, gives you in the end more money than the than the other one. Um, I have no clue what designers, the bigger designers, are making using that that service. I never did. I ever purchase? I think I never purchased something on on Mini, Mini Factory because I'm yeah not that much into like the figurines game. Um, I so but, I I would assume that it's that it's another one percent one percenter thing. Um, where really only one percent of mm. the um of the creators on there would reach that break even mm. point, where like yeah. a thirty percent cut would be worse for them. Yeah. Uh, did you see the the Twitch data breach? Um, the where where all the Twitch streamers' Ooh, yes. revenues were exposed. Yes, and it's like, oh yeah, what, what was it? The the Dungeons and Dragons. <sighs> um stream stream channel um basically yeah. oh they're making so much money but people are seeing that where it's like oh yeah some channels are making a decent living and mm -hmm. honestly the, the the amount that they're making isn't that much like managers make way more than that uh easily <laughs> and we, we we don't we don't bat an eye for them um but again the i think that the real message from the breach was like yeah some people make a decent living off of that but mm -hmm. most people make almost nothing for the effort that mm -hmm. they put into it yeah. um and i think it is very very similar for for my mini factory here yeah um on the other hand i i think it's 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 also a good opportunity for the ones who who want to have these models uh that they for example don't have to subscribe to patreon tiers uh which some creators are using to uh, monetize their designs um yeah. because i don't know for some creators you have to pay 20 30 bucks a month to get access to their creations but yeah. if you're just interested in one of the designs such a platform gives you the opportunity to just your audio just is three five ten bucks wow your audio was just completely gone okay Uh, let me see if, if Stefan can figure that out. Yeah, um, I guess what what I'm gonna be—it's back now. I guess okay. what's going to be interesting is how Prusa printers implement that, um, because that is something mm -hmm. that they have announced um, that we're going to do. And from how I how I judge their their business practices, it's not going to be like that. It's it's probably going to be a, a cut, if at all. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, if they're if you take out the platform as kind of your 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 seller your business partner because the, the mm. way that i believe it works on my mini factory is you're buying from my mini factory and my mini factory mm. sends you an invoice for that if you're taking out the platform as like the intermediary for that and you're just saying hey uh here's a paypal link and you're buying from the creator and we're just a platform mm. that's kind of facilitating that deal mm. you don't have to take a cut um mm -hmm. but also on the on the person selling selling anything it is It is more effort for for people selling stuff um, because you, now you have to deal with writing an invoice for every single purchase, um, dealing with VAT, dealing with mm. you know 
all those things that now add a, a significant burden to you if you're not set up for that, if you don't have the um, the invoicing system and the business management system mm. for that, that that does that automatically. Um, so it's interesting to see which route they're, they're going to go. By the way, that 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 is one of the reasons why I don't have... Well, why 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 patron is so convenient for for many people um mm. and i don't have like a hey support me through paypal link i i thought about setting up something like that um just through wordpress you can do that you can you can add mm. like a subscription platform and mm. basically get the exact same functionality as patron um but without the patron fees mm. um but it's just well now you have a thousand customers that you have to write an invoice to mm. every year or every month and it just adds so much overhead so mm. again, going to be interesting how Prusa handled that that situation. Yeah. So, so maybe on that mark again, um, I think shortly after the Thingiverse data breach was uncovered, um, Joseph tweeted that they are thinking about rebranding Prusa printers. That it's not that closely connected to to, to Prusa anymore, but they still yeah. want to offer a platform for, for 3D printing files. And uh, he also teased that they're thinking about exactly that model that you can, um, that you can buy. Uh, yeah. Or that you can sell uh, your models on the Prusa printer platform. Um, we are not sure when that's going to happen, but um, yeah, there's constant development happening on, on Prusa printers. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, one one of the things I've already teased about adding is uh, the the social media links. That's they're, they're just doing small stuff like that the whole time. Um, somebody mm. was it was it Repcore um, who yeah. said like, "Hey, we we would nope. like to have." It was Uncle Jesse, I guess. Uncle Jesse, yeah, yeah. Um, could can can we have like a dedicated session uh, section for social media links in, in our profile? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yep, yeah, sure, we're gonna do it." That's that's the way that sh- mm-hmm. things should be, right? Yeah. Let's see where that goes. And actually, who what was Repcord um, is <laughs> our next topic, the melted heater block. That also involves Prusa again. So what happened there is that uh, Alan, I believe is his uh, first name, bought a brand new pre-assembled hotend from Prusa and it melted on him. Yeah. And you, you've seen the photos. They, they look I scary. have seen the photos. Um, if you guys are only listening, uh, um, you can check the link in the description. There are some, some pictures on, on Twitter, but yeah, Repcord posted pictures of a heater block where the nozzle melted out and the heater block just looks like a big glob of molten solder. Yeah. And. So the, the nozzle, the nozzle is encased in like a, a ball of whatever the heater block material is. Yeah. And then you can see like, th- it looks like the, the heater block is like a skin and it sucked the material out underneath. Yeah. And there's like a big spike coming out, like a probably one inch long spike yeah. out of the heater block, um, where the nozzle used to be. Uh, your audio is gone again. Totally back. gone again. Okay. Sorry, sorry for the technical difficulties. It's it's not yeah. like we, it's we're doing this for the first time. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we're still new at this. <clears throat> um, 
yeah, uh, so, where have you been? So, so how yeah. how could this happen? Um, so I, I guess two two theories that were passed around. So Rapcord said he's, he just set the temperature to two fifty degrees, um, walked away for a second, and he came back to this thing being being molten. Either it was actually an overtemperature situation, yeah, or the alloy was weird. Though, That's, yeah, though um, I think since people were asking, hey, can you just use a, a a soldering iron and try to see if you can get the material to melt? He actually tried it out, and it 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 wasn't solder in the end. Uh, so I guess. To, Any, to be fair, like the test that he did with like the small solder iron tip, like that's, it might have maybe shined up one spot, but it's it's probably not. It probably didn't put enough energy into the block to actually melt it at the temperature that it was set to. So, of course, but if you're just taking a look at at aluminum and aluminum alloys. Um, Aluminium. None of these are probably in the melt point range of like 250 degrees Celsius where he uh, set his uh, printer to work at. Yeah. But it is, it is still really weird. Um, and it backs the question because I guess he also stated that he hasn't seen any thermal runaway warning and, and, anything like that yeah on, and also uh, none, of, none of the plastic parts around the hot end because the the prusa actually does enclose the heater block quite tightly uh none of the plastic parts around that melted or deformed at all they, they still look pristine fan shroud um i i think i have seen pictures of the fan shroud being at least a bit deformed but don't quote. doesn't have a he doesn't have a sock on the block either so N Really he doesn't have a sock on the heater. Um, well, not so anymore. So if you, if you take a look at the picture where um, you see the nozzle in his hand yeah. just right, I guess you can you can spot the nozzle, uh, sorry, the um, part cooling fan nozzle being deformed and the upper part bent down I because there's nothing there anymore don't have the same shrouded hand so i can't tell exactly mm -hmm. how it's supposed to look <clears throat> but it there aren't any obvious signs of something being burnt there um of course the sleeves for the heater and also for the uh, thermistor they are um, glass fiber with i think silicone yep. impregnation or something like that so they should be able yeah, to, to 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 cope with some heat. Yeah. Usually at those temperatures, though, you you would see some discoloration. You would see some yeah. toasting because silicone, while it is a very high temperature material, um, it's it it does start to degrade at those temperatures. Yeah. So it is really weird. It so is really basically weird. You're saying it's, it's a it it was an actual thermal runaway that <laughs> the printer did not catch. But can the can those thirty watts heater cartridges even reach those temperatures? I think they're 40 watts, but, um. Did they, did this default for a free 3D used to be, so used to be 30. They might have switched though with the, but I think um, Prusa is using 40 watts for quite a while. Well, anyways, it's, that there was something it, with the, with the heater fan, uh, cooling down the hot end too much. I uh, <laughs> like the, the print cooling fan cooling down the hot end too much. So this, they, they did something there. I don't know if they yeah. switched heater, uh, heater powers or 
we did something else. Yeah. W wasn't it because you complained on the Mark two, Mark one point, I, Mark one review that was that, that heat up times are so slow. Um, <laughs> now that there was, I don't know if it's the Mark three or Mark two, but I, I remember that there was a real issue. Heat up times don't think weren't were that bad because that the bed always takes longer anyways. Um, but there was a problem when you had, uh, the part cooling fan going, the hardened would get to 225 or 230, mm. uh, degrees, but it would be heating at full power the entire time. So when you were printing yeah. something like PDG that you would do at 240, 245 maybe, um, and you would use the part cooling fan, the, the hardened would actually drop and sometimes it would cut out because it's like, well, the heating failed. Um, mm. there's something wrong with your hardened, but it was just that there was too much energy being extracted out of the hardened. Um, um yeah i just yeah. checked it's it's 40 watts um okay. still 40 watts oh, it's hard to say so um prusa so the fan shroud for cooling the cold side of the pot end <laughs> if you want to call it that way yeah. is enclosed in a way that no air is really bleeding onto the heater block yeah. and it's kind of confined below all of all of these parts so there isn't really any like active cooling or active convection so there is the opportunity that that thing heats up quite a bit but with just 40 watts of energy the thing is you, i don't you, know if you your heat break is also taking out quite a bit of uh, of energy um so the the way it's been explained to me is the amount of of um, energy using to melt your plastic is about mm. the same as the amount of energy that's just being dissipated through the heat break. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that that energy you're not <coughs> intentionally dissipating that because you don't want to just waste energy, but mm. it's just because you need some mechanical strength, and the stronger you make it, the, the thicker your material is, the more energy you pull out. Um, <clears throat> the thing is also the hotter your your Heat block is the more energy you are actually pushing through that heat break because your, your delta yep. T is, is rising. So your, um, your heat stream through that heat break increases. So what I'm wondering is like, so the, the, the order of magnitude that of, of energy that's being passed through the heat break is, is like five to 10 watts somewhere in that mm -hmm. neighborhood. Um, so what I'm wondering is if your delta T is now not 200 degrees, but it's 400 degrees. The heat break should have a significant cooling effect on the block no. too. So that, I guess to a point that is, that is somewhat of a runaway protection, even if unintentional, but it should be some, some, hmm. uh, PTC like behavior where your, your temperature no. rises slower the hotter everything gets. I no. honestly, I don't think, I don't think the heaters can melt a block, but there's only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> try it out yeah. um so i just checked so the melting point of for example a 6061 aluminum is six, 650 degrees celsius yeah which is a lot um maybe it's a combination of but oh that would be quite a coincidence combination of a really bad alloy and something happening something weird happening on the machine maybe i don't know maybe there was a failure with <clears throat> sorry uh, maybe there was a failure with the psu that the voltage increased which uh like by squaring increases the power of the heater 
um, and at least to some extent the the normal electronics should be fine of regulating that increased voltage down uh, to still work normally though maybe that should have triggered thermal runaway protection i'm not sure it's the, it's all just i i believe the prusas do have voltage monitoring on the on the power supply show so they should have caught that the thing is if if it doesn't catch over temperature like something's seriously wrong already mm. Um, yeah. because typically there is there is just a, a hard limit set in firmware if the pattern is i think over 280 or 290 degree in the prusa mm. it just goes like nope nope i'm not i'm not doing this <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm shutting myself off um yeah. actually you know what you know what i can try i can i can try and see how long it takes to heat up uh, just a regular prusa um and just get a, a feel for like how fast the temperature rises at those upper temperatures let mm. me let me do that real quick. I'm going to load in. We're going to pull out the PLA. I'm probably going to try that to hell. But <laughs> yeah, you, you go go ahead, get started on the next topic. And I'm going to set this print up real quick. Will, will you be still connected to the audio? Yeah, g give yeah. it a try. I Sorry. guess, I guess the th it, it's all just speculation at the moment. And I'm really hoping that that Prusa is, is also open uh, with the results of the investigation, because this is something like seriously bad that can happen um it just for once shows again that you probably should not let your printer run un um unsupervised. Uh, protected unsupervised and uh of course don't have anything flammable next to it um the unsupervised printing it's of course everyone says that but uh, if we're being honest, uh, printers are usually in a different room. And if you have a 30 hour print job, you won't be like sitting next to, to your machine all of the time. I also don't really, I uh, don't really recommend that due to the, uh, fumes and everything coming from your machine. Anyways, um, he, yeah, recommendation for that this week's video. Um, not told you about that. You, you guys all know the humble Raspberry Pi to run Octoprint on. Well, guess what? <laughs> These are freaking expensive. These are 110 bucks if you want to get the 4 gig version. You can just use an old phone to run Octoprint on, and it works fantastically. So I, I tried I tried uh, Octo4a, um, and it's going to be this week's video, okay. which, uses, which is a really simple install on Android. Um, it uses the phone's main camera as a webcam. Um, it runs Octoprint with... A full plug-in support and everything and even a five-year-old phone this is an lg g6 with a janky back on it because this used to be broken this is as fast as raspberry pi 4 in real life performance so if you have an old phone just use that there's no excuses anymore to not run octoprint and just monitor it this is all in one mm. you just need like an adapter to charge and and get the usb port out and that's it yeah. so just a quick teaser there Something Sorry. really interested, uh, interesting I, I, I wanted to do for a while. I, well, I do run Home Assistant at mm -hmm. home and so Home Assistant lets you integrate, for example, um, smoke detectors. And I have some, I think they are Zigbee smoke detectors right. in my, in my office. And what you can do, for example, if a smoke detector is recognizing smoke you can for example turn off off a wi-fi or a zigbee connected 
outlet. plug yeah. on your wall outlet on your wall uh, which just turns the machine off it will definitely not always prevent you from something burning down but taking the electricity away from the machine is i guess already a first step of trying to prevent something really bad happening there yeah. is actually a system uh but i i have i did some research and i only I've only found it in the us um it's a smoke detector that is connected to a um to an outlet or to just a okay a, so a, a it's, switch it's box. like a ready built exactly. setup basically okay yeah that? It just works with 120 volts. Um, I think you can find it on 3D Upfitters it, or something like that. Um, it doesn't sound like it's a particularly complex setup. No, it's totally simple. Um, because you, 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 you just need to. Uh, it's basically every you have time. Your alarm output and it goes to, to turning <laughs> off a relay. Um, so exactly. That's it. Yeah. Um, there are things like that. Um, I haven't found them working with like the 230 or 40 volts we use over here. Um, but, but I would totally like to have something like that just yeah. in my print room where I have an outlet where many of my printers are connected. If there's some smoke in the room, turn them off. That's, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that would be something something nice um i just did the test on the on the mark 3 just heat up time to 295 which is the maximum temperature it lets me set it to and took like two minutes yeah so honestly well i don't to be fair i don't know if i've uh if i've turned up the voltage on this power supply i don't know if this is running on like 26 volts or anything does this have the info on here um but yeah voltages nope 23.6 volts so this is standard setup of a mark three yeah i i honestly i think it is totally viable that it actually melted the aluminum block um, if it takes <laughs> if it takes two minutes or so to to reach 295 it's not going to mm -hmm. take that much longer it's it's maybe going to take 10 minutes to reach 600 yeah. so viable viable plausible as as mythbusters would say so who who is going to try that <laughs> who's going to to sacrifice one of the mark twos or, or mark threes and 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 see if uh as long uh, we as can, it's on, uh, we as can long as it's on video it's not that it's not that big of a deal actually i mean you can you can replace <laughs> the block you can replace the heater and thermistor because those are going to be toast yeah still if that happened the question is really uh why did it happen because there should be checks in the firmware which should be yeah. like prioritized over everything else uh, that things like that don't happen and fortunately we don't see 3d printing fires that often they happen but um there are protections working to or well installed to to, to trying at least to try to prevent that of yeah. course um prusa they are not using like stock marlin firmware they have their own branch of prusa marlin yeah so there are differences Which is largely a rewrite of of many of the core parts in in marlin because they the the mark two three mark three yes they are still running the the original at mega um and they are running to like hard limits on that ship as far as processing power and uh, memory space and all that goes. 
the I'm, I'm just thinking about like how could this have been prevented if it actually was a an over temperature situation mm. um if it's a thermistor that is reading like it, it can totally happen that the thermistor itself reads a temp or a resistance value that is representative of a normal temperature like if it's if it's just shorter than the right way uh, a thermistor can read 20 degrees all the time and the printer keeps heating mm-hmm. so of course you can have the uh, like a temperature model in your firmware where the the uh, the firmware knows like okay the the hot end should be at this temperature roughly right now mm-hmm. which uh, i believe do it does actually it does do that exact thing it's got like really a, aggressive yeah yeah uh, yeah, you have to. You actually have to tune it to your hot end. Otherwise, you're just going to get errors all the time. And they they mm. make you tune it to your hot end just to make sure you're not just using like mm. some super lenient default. Um, that or um, yeah, that should be in there. Then just to check, hey, has the print has the hot end been at a hundred percent for too long? Um, if the thermistor is in fact broken, like over temp, min temp, max temp is not going to do anything for you uh, if it's been mm. if it's broken in exactly the right way. And also I was thinking like maybe a hardware shutoff where you actually have, if the firmware crashes, if it's actually a software mm. problem, um, where you have a, a like a physical com, comparator, com, comparator, a com, comparing chip on there um, that just checks, hey, is the resistance value of the thermistor below a certain value? And then it doesn't let the, the mm. printer activate the MOSFET at all. Yeah. Um, but again, if the thermistor is broken, that's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So really, the only way I think to prevent this is to either have um, what E3D are doing with a, with a PTC heating characteristic of their new ceramic heater, where it's going to mm-hmm. taper off its heating power at a certain temperature. So like, even if your MOSFET fails, if the, th- if the uh, firmware fails, if everything fails, the heater is not capable of reaching that temperature. It's not physically reach, uh, capable of reaching that temperature unless you feed it more voltage, which like that's like not just a double fault. That's like a triple quad fault. Mm. Um, that or having a, a second thermistor and using that for like a hardware shutoff. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a lot of overhead. And, and I know Prusa like to do things in software and with like more sophisticated approaches um, in their programming instead of just adding more hardware to things. Mm. So, yeah, I think that the easiest way to prevent that PTC heater, E3D yep. Revo. Yeah. Basically. Looking forward to that. Um, do you know if that, well, if, if like the characteristic like tapers off, does that prevent faster heating to higher temperatures or does that like taper off at temperatures which which are above the temperatures that you would normally use um, a hot end but still below like critical temperatures for melting something or for starting a fire um, so it's it shouldn't prevent you from reaching higher temperatures but just by the nature of how like PTC curves work it's it's it will slow down heat times at higher temps mm. um it just depends on on how they adjusted that behavior whether it's it's the the max temperature if you go full blast is like 550 degrees or mm. whether that max temperature is 350 um yeah. i believe it's it should be rather high because the the ceramic element should be able to to handle relatively high temperatures but yeah it, it in either case it will somewhat slow down your your heat times 
Though they did compensate by by having less thermal mass and by going with a 40 watt heater by default. So yeah. I don't think it should be much <clears throat> of a problem in practice unless you're printing yeah. PEK all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you're doing that all of the time, you should probably think about a, a proper setup for that. Probably, yeah. Uh, do, do you have any, any info on, on whether you're getting a, a Revo for review yet? I haven't heard anything from E3D so far. Same, um, same here. It's, um, it's kind of weirding me out the, the way that they're handling the, the, the launch because now it's announced, but all you're seeing is, is like beta pre-release hmm. reviews, um, of the thing and, there's I think no- they, they said they're going to start pre-orders in November. Um, I don't know when they are going to sell it. I think I just draw, uh, I, I just read concerning their obsidian nozzle that the obsidian nozzle is going to start selling at the beginning of next year. I don't know if that goes hand right. in hand. I don't think so, but, um, uh, they probably need to like ramp up production and have, them in stock at e3d and also at at all of the resellers yeah well i mean to be fair supply chains right now are not great horrible no yeah Uh, i can maybe more delays yeah i I can like yeah say that from my own experience so we were sold out with our uh heat set inserts quite quickly at least some of the sizes people seem to enjoy the uh, quarter inch uh, camera inserts quite oh. a bit and but reordering them at the moment so for once uh, raw material prices increased horribly shipping rates from china at the moment are crazy really okay so yeah the, the, only, the only thing i've noticed is that uh, deutsche post is, is now charging six bucks for every imported uh, shipment because they, <laughs> they charge you for like hey there's a there's vat we have to collect we have to collect 20 cents worth of vat for you but we're going to charge you six bucks on top of that yeah. for the service <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah. um i guess sourcing parts at the moment is can be kind of hard and if there are just if there's just one single component in your system that you currently can't source uh you can make a final product um so but yeah well of course etd said that they uh implemented um an in-house production method for their heaters which is probably the most uh complex system uh and the rest are just just machine parts um so at least in that regard they shouldn't be that much dependent but of course they are in britain they have with brexit yeah. plenty of other problems at the moment <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're not um, in the easiest spot that's that's for sure no they're not in the easiest spot i'm really looking forward to having uh, getting my hands on Revo because i have in the last three weeks i have probably changed 20 30 nozzles and um what have you been doing man <laughs> so well at, at first i did the review of the um Bontex cht yeah. nozzle then i'm currently printing with a beautiful japanese 0.1 millimeter nozzle ah those guys yeah yeah and then i did some um diy high flow nozzles 
which I'm really looking mm. forward to uh, uh, posting some things about. Um, oh, so I am changing nozzles like day in, day out. And even though it's kind of working, especially since I'm now really paying attention to use a lot of um, anti-seize on, on the threads, <laughs> but um, the aluminum heater blocks are just not happy with like tightening, untightening, changing things like that can you just use a threaded insert <laughs> We've been if, if, uh, if he hits it enough or if yeah, he it. Uh, uh, unfortunately we don't sell any uh, m m6 uh, inserts <laughs> right uh. well I, I i maybe could use are there brass heater blocks well they're copper heater oh, blocks. Blo- uh, Revo is brass yeah <laughs> um but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one, even though, um, that would not solve my problems because I cannot add any yeah, third party nozzles in there. But at least like, uh, using different nozzle sizes, uh, will okay. be, uh, quite a bit easier. We'll see. Yeah. Um, maybe just, just one remark because we talked about the seller fee on, uh, my mini factory before. Also, if you want to sell parts on Amazon, you need to have an Amazon seller's account that costs 20 or 30 euros a month. So right. it's not like with eBay. I'm, eBay is, eBay is free. Yeah. eBay just takes a cut. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to think like, would you make more or less revenue if, if you sell on Amazon versus selling on my mini factory? Well, revenue, not exactly, but profit. How much of a profit would that eat up? I would, yeah. I, I would think that if you're selling on Amazon, you're actually making more profit than if you're selling on a niche site to a niche community with, but then you have, you have no, no cost for, you have no, no, no material cost for selling a digital mm. model, right? <laughs> Uh, okay, well, but I, yeah. I, 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 I did not want to say that you should sell your 3D designs on Amazon. I don't know if if that would even be possible but also amazon charges you for for a seller account i don't know if it's how it is with etsy and with other platforms but i think that just helps prevent having a ton of people accounts there and selling like minimum numbers of uh of products yeah and with amazon you you're also paying like fees for the parts you're selling with uh, including a, a cut of the revenue you're paying for storage and stuff like that so that also but you, but they're actually giving you something for that they're basically handling your entire logistics chain um, everything except for like you actually shipping your product to them that's the one thing you have to do and then everything else gets handled yeah. by them yeah so yeah that's that's actual value that you're getting um, indeed I guess one, one last thing to close out, um, Revo, um, as far as like reviewing Revo goes, um, re, re, revoing, <laughs> Revo. <laughs> um, I, of course I would love to, to review Revo. Um, typically my, my terms and not, not typically, but my terms have a pretty hard, um, form, formulation, um, ver- wording in there where it's like anything that's not, that's pre-released, that's like pre-ordered and that has not shipped to customers yet. I don't want to have a look at. Um, so that, that includes pre-orders where there's been made promises to customers that, yeah, we're going to ship you this if you pay us 50 bucks mm-hmm. now. 
um, but also products that aren't in their finished state yet. Mm. So I guess my my ideal scenario um, would be getting a Revo that is final hardware, having an embargo uh, to that final hardware to like be able to to review it uh, before, but publishing uh, the review on release day or on shipping day or on whatever day that is appropriate. Um, because that is the way that's that's that is being done with tech in, in the tech world mm. basically um i don't know apple i think does it as well um but any big consumer electronics company does it where they they have an announce they're going to announce the product but they ship out the product beforehand to reviewers under embargo mm. so they can show anything about it they can say that they have it or whatever but on release day um that review is out and they've had time to properly do it because what mm-hmm. I, what I too often see with hyped product in the products in the 3d printing space is um, the product gets announced and then people rush to to getting their hands on one and to producing the fastest most hammered out um, impression of that product just because those those first reviews that's what what counts that's what's going to get you the most views the most affiliate sales that's what really pays well um and you don't really you can't really compete with a properly done review against anything that's just that's like day one and and done as fast as possible the longer you wait the less worth it it is to make a review about something and and just having having an embargo on there and getting early access to hardware, I think that would kind of level the playing field and incentivize doing it properly. Mm. Right. Just to get that out there. Because that, that's, yeah. that's something that's been kind of bothering me with, with Revo, where it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, shall we close with two resin topics? Absolutely, sir. So the, the, the first one... Um, is from um, Unnecessary Inventions. Mm-hmm. Though, to be honest, this one isn't as unnecessary as the name suggests. No. Uh, who is Unnecessary Inventions? I, I think he's he's pretty big on, on Instagram and does uh, TikTok. Unnecessary Inventions. On TikTok, TikTok, YouTube I Shorts. I'm not even sure. I believe that's that's like his, his, his thing. Really cool guy has lots of interesting ideas to come up with uh, stuff that looks really interesting but is totally unnecessary and one thing that he did uh together with elegu i think is a dual print platform dual that elegu saturn so you have yeah. one screen below you have a a that that is separated in two individual chambers that you can fill with different resins and then you have a printing platform that also has two individual, well, is, is split up in two. Basically, yeah. So you can print two resins at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you can print, of course, on a, on a Saturn, you can print two different models just side by side. Um, if the, if the platform or the, the screen is big enough for it, but now we can use two different resins and the basically splits it into like, two Marses, right? It's the Saturn is yep. is less resolution, I believe, than than an individual Mars three ish, but it's still gonna be enough. And yeah, it this is a really well made product, I would almost call it, because you know typically that the stuff that that unnecessary invention does, it's 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 three D printed, it's it works, it's well done, but like 
not to to this level i i think the the vat is even machined aluminum it looks like um the platforms have like super solid standoffs everything's nicely like nicely machined yeah how how unnecessary is that would would you use this well i haven't done a done a lot of resin printing in the past um i think well maybe for me it might even be interesting if you want to compare different resins well if if they work with the same exposure settings um you can be twice as fast i think you could just use two printers (laughs) or you could use two printers the question is what is cheaper well the the thing is uh what you could argue is that it's more repeatable because you use them on the same machine um I don't know. Um, I think for most of us, it is, wouldn't really be that, um, useful. Yeah. It is, um, it is somewhat unnecessary, but not, not that because much. it just limits the size that you can print at. Yeah. And no, no, cleaning to be, those. To be, to be fair, it is a, it is still the quick swap system. You can still take the, the print platforms off. And just put your regular print platform back on, and the VAT the same. It's two screws, so converting between them is not that not that big of a deal. No, you you're totally right. Yeah, you could just replace the print platform and and the VAT and be well re-level it and and be good again. Yeah. Or not even re-leveling. Well, yeah, mm. that's that's what the quick change system does because the leveling yeah. head is in the in the part you take mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and when, when you're saying like cleaning out the vats, it's two vats to clean out. But then again, if you can just keep your, your resins just filled in that vat, if you just c- yeah. keep them at hand, like you, you have less cleaning out to do essentially. That's, that's what I yeah. liked about the, about the Mars series because I, I believe the vats were interchangeable for, for a while. And I could just have like different resin in a different vat and you can just swap it if you have to actually pour out mm. the resin and, and clean it out. And, and that is like one of the worst things about SLA printing. Um, yeah. So if you can avoid that with that, it's cool. I I, I feel like we're, we're doing this wrong. We are discussing an, an unnecessary invention and we're trying to, to reason with it. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe even, even another thing. Um, this thing would also, if you have a smaller part, would require less resin to print it in a way that you don't have to fill like yeah. a whole resin vet because you can basically just put half of the... Um, half of the volume in there so it might be good if you have a specially expensive resin or just a a small amount of resin and uh, that could still allow you to print a tall part not big in x and y but tall um and since it's interchangeable maybe there there is even a use for it and you don't have like a separate machine with just two uh print pads I don't know. I find it, it it's one of the, as you just said, uh, one of the more necessary, unnecessary inventions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Russell actually posted the Frozen Transformer, um, which apparently was a machine that you could swap a dual five and a half inch panel into or swap a, a one 10 inch. I guess it would be a bit okay. larger than 10 inch then. Um, where you could change between those. At least it, I've not looked into it. The photo looks like it, it does that. But in that case, I'm like, well, if you have to change the screen or if your machine from the start just has two individual panels, like at that point, I'm, I'm really starting to question like whether you need the, that in one machine or 
mm. you know, just getting two individual machines, I think, would be the better choice if you versus just having yeah. one with two panels. Yeah. The thing that might be interesting, um, maybe even going a step further, having a system like that, but with like a print platform that maybe could swivel to the side and go into like an IPA bath where you could print your part with one color, a layer, then go into the, for example, IPA, right. uh, clean off the resin and then get that to uh, into a, a different vet. And if you are probably setting that up right, you could do multi-color prints on a resin 3D printer. It will be Ooh. way more complex. Ooh, but if you, uh, I guess by layer you could do that. But if you have to wash your part after every layer, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be super wasteful. You're gonna be. It might be super a wasteful. A lot yeah. of. <laughs> I love the way you say that. Oh yeah, it might be super wasteful. Like who cares? <laughs> you, I mean, sure, you could do it, but. Like getting getting all the resin off of your vats and off your model, like uh, you're gonna saturate your IPA so quickly, and you're gonna be wasting so much resin, probably more than well, you're printing with. Of course, well, maybe you have a system where you don't fill your vats all the way to the top, uh, and you you're just only always dipping it into a, a small puddle so that you don't saturate your print. That much, of course, it will be wasteful. But I have seen any multicolor uh, 3D printer, uh, resin 3D printers yet. I'm Maybe quite sure that a system like that might already be uh, patented by 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 somebody. But it for special applications, that would be a possibility to do multi-material yeah. or multicolor resin 3D printing. Yeah, just add so the the on on the two vats, just add like an x-axis to it and just. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the on the two platforms, just have one platform, add an x-axis, so it can move yeah. between the the two, and then move into a, a cleaning tank. Yeah. Could work. Could work. Perhaps that's an even more necessary invention than the than the dual <laughs> platform Saturn. <laughs> As I said, I think that this would not be something for everyone, but there are special applications. The question in the end is: there are other three D printing techniques might be able to do different things but um i'm quite sure that you could make a system that works for not a thousand bucks because you just need to add yeah. a, a an x-axis um so that might still be beneficial to for example a, a 100k or 500k specialized 3d printer for for doing something similar yeah yeah and at that point it doesn't matter <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of excited about the the Form 3. It's sitting outside that door right now. Oh, um, you have one. I I got one. I got it in a couple of days ago. Um it's it's really going to be interesting to see where that fits in because um the the way I bring the reason I bring it up is because it has that auto filling uh vat feature. Yeah. Um where it keeps uh, the the resin topped up. Uh it, I've, I've not taken a look. I've not taken too deep of a look at what it does and what it can and can't do and how it works. Mm. Um, all I've read is that it's supposed to be super slow, uh, even compared to the form two. So that's going to be an interesting thing to, to try out and just, just trying out a, a whole different ecosystem of software, um, hardware or features that they're implementing. Mm. It's going to be real interesting. And since like the 3D, even though you're using basically the same resin, the way that a Formlabs printer is printing in comparison to a mask SLA printer, uh, I think that's going to be really interesting because you have a real, a laser that is moving around in the, yeah. in the vet. 
So you will have different layer times um, depending on how much parts you have on your on your model, and that's going to be interesting. Also, comparing um, the details you 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 can get with a formlabs printer because with like the new 4K and 8K, I don't know, um, yeah. mask masked SLA printers the voxel size is i think way smaller than I th- the, the 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 resin uh, sorry the formlabs printer has 80 or 90 micrometers diameter um of the laser spot so that that's going to change um the printing resolution maybe a bit in xy yeah so i'm i'm, I'm just looking up the uh what's it called frozen mini 8k so it's yeah. a 7.1 inch um so saturn size 8K LCD, so voxel size or 2D pixel size would be 22 microns. Okay. Um, which isn't that much smaller than the like 40, 50 micron size that you get on, on your regular mask LCD ones. Um, and with the, ma- with the mask LCD printers, I've, I find that anti-aliasing is much more of a, of an indicator of quality. Mm-hmm. And now with the, with the Prusa SL1, it's actually proven that your light source quality also very much depend, uh, determines mm-hmm. how, how good of a resolution you can resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And with like a laser that is, um, that is moved with a Galvo scanner, you don't have the problem anymore with aliasing, a- aliasing. Yeah. Because you're getting essentially the same as with, uh, a filament. An FDM we, yeah. We, yeah. we have. It's it's the same technique. You've got your infill, you've got your walls. It's the same stuff. Um, but yeah, the laser spot size on Form 3 is 85 micron. So it's probably going to have... It's, it's, it's definitely going to have smoother surfaces. But detail resolution is going to be interesting because mm. it should be worse, technically, yeah. than, uh, than a mask LCD printer. Um, Form 2 had a 140 micron laser spot size. So that is, that is quite big. That is, that is reaching into like filament printer nozzle hammer uh, size. Cool. Yeah. Um, looking yeah, forward to your thoughts on that. That, that's just close that out. That, that, that smaller laser spot size is what I've heard the reason why the Form 3 actually prints slower than the Form 2. 80, <laughs> 85 micron versus, versus 140. That's, that's smaller nozzle size. Yeah. Takes more time. Yeah. yeah. Right. And last topic, just quickly, rotating VAT 3D printer. So this is basically a poor man's clip process. Uh, so clip is the process from Carbon 3D where you don't... Basically, the trick is to not stick your resin, your cured resin layers onto the FEP. That, that's, that's one of the, one of the challenges with, uh, your regular mask LCD and why you have that, that peeling motion and why the S1 has the, has that tilting peeling motion that speeds things up. Um, but if you never get your, your cured resin to stick to the FEP film that sits over your, your, your masking LCD, you don't have to worry about peeling. So what, who actually made this? Do we have a name? Eric. Eric Potempa. <laughs> um, so Eric actually created something where he has a rotating, a revolving wet, where a wet, a vat, and an FEP film that continuously moves out underneath your printed part. Mm-hmm. He, Eric didn't use an FEP film. He used a rigid 
PDMS, which is a polymer surface uh, that's that was the base of of his vat. Polydimethylsiloxane. I love polymer names. <laughs> so yeah, the, I, I guess that the trick with um, with the film that carbon is using is that it's letting through some oxygen, and if you're I guess the the resins that they're using, if those resins are in contact with oxygen, they don't cure, they don't harden. So they can always keep that one layer of uh, uncured resin between their, their their release film and the actual printed part, so they can continuously pull away the material. And I guess PDMS does that as well? Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't know if it was just a convenient uh use but he's he's stating that he's always like dragging new material into like the small slit that is generated and the thing is with with that method he's able to print 280 millimeters of a part per uh per hour which is which is pretty crazy yeah so, yeah, that, that is, I mean, the DSL1S was already at the point where I'm like, this is faster than any filament printer for the quality, for sure. Mm. Um, but 280 millimeters an hour, that's, that is, that is insane. Um, yeah. because of course you, you still have the same energy you're, you're putting into the resin, um, to cure it, but you don't have to spend that time for, for peeling it every cycle. Yeah. Um, we we don't know the whole technology behind that, obviously. Um, but if this gets put, if this doesn't get patented, yeah. uh, and if this gets put into an actual product, that's it's pretty good. It's pretty. It, it yeah. could it could honestly it could displace a lot of uh, a lot of the techniques and technologies that we see in three D printing in general. If you just have that massive advantage of like, oh, you click print, and five minutes later you have your part, and not five hours later. Yeah. And with a really good resolution. Um, it's yeah, cool. This is, this it's is really still, cool to see that. This is still a mass LCD. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't matter which process it. Uh, though, though, to be honest, it, I think it he's using a DLP. Okay. Uh, w- it, would it work with a laser? I think it's, it's I, not such a good idea. Uh, he, he's using, I think, a DLP I read on Reddit. But you can check that. Should work with laser, yeah. But DLP is also a process that exposes the the entire layer at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So, so pretty cool process. Yeah, we got um, the and, Hackaday link. And I guess way way easier to implement than the uh, reverse CT scanning methods that we have also already seen. Yeah, though those were kind of those were a concept. Those were an idea. Those weren't actually being implemented. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got a video about those, or about um, Adrian's idea of, of of using like the electro current hardening thing. <laughs> well, no, hold hold on, but but are, are you talking about the uh, like the, the the thing that Adrian is proposing by by hardening resins with electricity with current, or the no no no, no the no. revolving exactly the revolving that, thing okay. where you shine light through that. I've also got a video on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I've got the recording of the talk at um, some show that I, that I recorded once. Um, yeah, yeah, and obviously, way, 
exactly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, this process with the revolving PDMS film, um, it's not limited in geometry um, because the reverse CT, though theoretically I could, I, I guess you could print a lot more stuff than you would think, but it, it, it does have its limitations as to what geometry you can actually create with it. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. And I guess that's it for today. That's all the cool stuff we have for today. <laughs> if my voice is getting better, I really, I, I'm always saying that I really hope to be, uh, that we are going to be back sooner again. But yeah, no so, questions for today. So I, I, I guess thank you for your time, Tom. Yeah, thank you for your time, Stefan. Viewers, if you, viewers and listeners, if you have questions that we should answer, leave them in the YouTube comments or tweet them at us at the Melt Zone. Um, we do have at the Melt Zone. Yeah, we do. We don't have at the Melt Zone podcast. We did get that Twitter handle right. Yeah, um, we do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon um, or YouTube memberships on our channels. If you want to do that, but otherwise, yeah, recommend the the, the podcast to a friend if you find it interesting. Um, that would be <laughs> that would be awesome. Until then, I will see you all. We will see you all and hear you all uh, next time. I was going to say next week, but next time. Thanks for the time, bye bye. Stefan. Bye, everyone.